There was a man called John the Baptist, who was actually the cousin of Jesus, who lived in the wilderness, telling people to turn away from their own ways and live in God's ways. John's clothes were made from camel's hair, and he ate locusts and wild honey. People from all over the area came to hear John speak. He would often baptize those who decided to follow God, dunking them in a lake as a symbol of their choice. One day, Jesus came to John and asked him to be baptized. John said, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. But Jesus convinced him to baptize him. When he did, he saw the sky split open and the Spirit of God flew down like a dove and landed on Jesus. Then he heard a voice from heaven say, this is my son whom I love. After Jesus' baptism, John the Baptist told all who came to hear him that Jesus was God's chosen one, the Messiah. Then Jesus went out into the wilderness and withheld from eating or drinking for 40 days. There, the devil showed up and put Jesus through a series of tests. Despite the devil's efforts to get Jesus to stop trusting God, Jesus refused the temptations and the devil left. When Jesus returned from the wilderness, he selected 12 men to join him to minister throughout the area. These men, who were called disciples, became his closest group of followers. One day, when Jesus and his followers were attending a wedding feast, they ran out of wine. Jesus asked the servants to fill six large stone jars with water. When they did, the water miraculously turned into wine. This was just the first of many miracles that Jesus performed, showing his power and causing many to follow him. Jesus continued to travel across the area meeting with everyone from powerful religious teachers to the ordinary folks, telling them how they could live God's way and be saved from their sins. And the miracles continued. Jesus healed people with all kinds of illnesses and even helped a paralyzed man walk again. He spoke about a new kingdom that was very different from anything people had heard before. Many people were amazed but some of the religious leaders were angry and fearful as his following grew. If you happen to own a 2016 Mazda, your lights are not on, but if you live in the Seattle area, there's a 100% chance that you are listening to 94.9 FM KUOW. It all started a few weeks ago, and nobody knows why. But anyone in that year and make of cars infotainment screen started going haywire before all getting stuck on 94.9, leaving them only with the ability to adjust the volume. Now, I would love to tell you that 94.9 is a Christian radio station that hundreds of people in the Puget Sound area have come to Christ as a result of being stuck on Christian radio for several weeks. But that's not the case. 94.9 is a local NPR station, so you can insert your government conspiracy theory here. Some are blaming this radio dilemma on the rollout of 5G towers because we blame everything on 5G in today's world, don't we? Which may be true, but at the end of the day, nobody knows what is causing it, and worse off, nobody knows how to fix it either. You are just eternally stuck on NPR radio. 
which may not be great for the resale value of your vehicle. For now on, or for now, these affected drivers are just stuck listening to one channel. I guess it's kind of fitting, isn't it? Because we seem to be a one culture kind, a one channel kind of culture, don't we? We get to pick our channel, but in today's world where everything is overly politicized, we tend to tune in to the channel we want to listen to and nothing else. We listen to the news we want. We listen to the music we want, the sports we want, the opinions we want, and we stick right there on that channel. Our radio might not be broken, but we might be. I'm no different here. I always said I'd be the guy who'd stay up to date on current music, so I'm not the guy who doesn't know any of the new stuff that his kids are listening to. But you know what happened? I started getting old. In fact, I found that I like listening to stuff that's actually a few years older than me. That's part of growing up in the 80s and hearing all that stuff that was done with synthesizers that didn't last very long. Yeah, I go back to the 70s where the real music is at. Yeah, amen. Hmm. We tend to be a one-channel kind of people. And that goes for our views of God as well. We tend to read our Bibles with our slants in mind, even if we don't know we do it. Last week, Andre introduced us to several of the religious groups that were formed over the years leading up to the time of Jesus. The same thing was true with them. If you were a Pharisee, you read your Bible with a slant towards making sure you were always obeying the law. If you were in a scene, you would have read everything with the slant of being a separatist from culture. If you were a zealot, you would have read everything with a view towards how God wants to overthrow governments. But what if our views of Jesus can be equally slanted as well? Hint, they are. What if we have a one-channel view of Jesus as well? Today in the story, we get into the early ministry of Jesus. And what struck me as I've been reading through Luke's gospel uh, in my personal time uh, is just how, in the gospel of Luke, how well-rounded the picture of Jesus is that we see. And so today I want to take a look at Luke's channels of Jesus and see if we can understand the fullness or the totality of who Jesus is instead of just the channel that we might want him to be. The first channel of Jesus that we see in the Gospel of Luke is what I will call the prayer channel. On four separate occasions between Luke 4 and 11, the Gospel writer tells us that Jesus was radically committed to prayer. That prayer was the place where he would recenter his calling and discern his Father's direction and will for his life. Here's one example from Luke 4. It says, at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. And so here we see Jesus not following very good social uh, media rules here. Because on social media, what you do is you get a crowd and then you pander to that crowd, right? Because you want to keep that crowd. 
But instead what we see Jesus doing is there's a crowd that starts to follow him and goes against all logic rather than keeping that crowd and growing that crowd. He goes to another place and starts from scratch so that they can hear his message as well. And then once a crowd starts to form there, he goes to the next place and the next place and the next. You see, Jesus did this because he was in tune with his father's will. He knew what God wanted him to do, and that happened as a result of prayer. Go back and read Luke 5 through 11, and just highlight the places where it talks about Jesus getting away to a solitary place, or him praying, and you will see that prayer was a part of who Jesus was. And so we gather from this, the prayer channel, that if we want to be like Jesus, we must walk with the Father. If we want to be like Jesus, we must have a walk with the Father just as Jesus had. And this is important to us, isn't it? Sometimes we call it a personal relationship with Jesus. I prefer to call it a walk with the Father, but that can be splitting hairs even to know the difference. But the truth is, is that this is not merely a religion and we're not merely going out and doing good things in the world. We are walking with our Father. And as we walk with our Father, we're led by His Spirit. And we're able to make a difference in this world. But just as Ernest talked about, the moment that we forget prayer, we can be in for a real hurting in this world. And we see that this story continues on in the book of Acts where the early church was deeply committed to prayer. They always seemingly were praying for what God was going to be doing next. And they were able to follow the Spirit's leading. As we enter into our Unstoppable Steward initiative in the month of March, we're going to be calling for the month of March to be a month of prayer. And starting in March, we'll have daily devotional videos for you that will be sent out via email and on social media for you to follow along with us. And we'll be looking to see how we can truly put our focus on God in prayer. But the prayer channel isn't the only one that we see in the Gospel of Luke. We see that there is also the amazement channel. It starts with the, his birth and the angels amazing the people. But in Jesus' early ministry in particular, we see that people are regularly amazed by Jesus. They were amazed by his teaching. They were amazed by his miracles. They were amazed by people's response to him. And what we see is that the natural response to Jesus is to be amazed. Listen to what it says in Luke 5. Jesus knew that the religious leaders of the day were watching him, and he's teaching in a house. The house is packed, but these guys show up with a, with a paralyzed friend of theirs, and they try to get their friend to the house, but the house is packed, and it's not handicap accessible because nothing was back then. And so what they do is they take him up, and they carry him up on the roof, and they start to tear apart the roof so that they can get their friend to Jesus. I want friends like this. Can you imagine sitting here in church and while we're in church, we hear like a, a pouncing on the roof and we hear somebody with like a saw up there. 
you know, cutting into the roof. And then we see somebody descend like a paralyzed guy. If he wasn't paralyzed before, he'd be paralyzed when he hit the ground on the way down. And, uh, and they bring him down here and, and in the middle of it. Can you imagine? I mean, talk about a sermon illustration cooked up right there in the middle. But Jesus, he doesn't just heal the man. He also takes the step of forgiving the man's sins, which was a claim to him being God. And as a response to all this, here's what it says in Luke 5, verse 26. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. So we understand from the amazement channel that if we want to be like Jesus, we must first be amazed by Jesus. But I don't think that this is just meant to be a one-time thing in our lives. I don't think it's meant to be a, hey, this is, I got saved and I was amazed by Jesus and that's it. But I think that as we take steps of faith, as we see God at work, our response should be to be continually amazed by the work and person of Jesus Christ. If we want to be like Jesus, we must first be amazed by Jesus. When was the last time you were amazed by Jesus? Sometimes it's not because he's not working that we're not amazed. Sometimes it's because we're too busy. We fail to see him in the work that he's doing. God's at work in your life. You might not be able to see it right now, but I promise you, amazement stands just right around the corner. Well, the next channel that we see in Luke's gospel is the women's channel. No, I'm not talking about the Hallmark channel here. I'm talking about the women's channel that we see in Luke. In their day, women were seen more as property of the men than as people who were equally yet uniquely created in God's image. But in Luke's gospel especially, Jesus upholds women and empowers them in ways that would have gone against the social norms of the day. We see in Luke chapter 8 that after this, Jesus traveled around from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out, not that anybody's counting, Joanna, the wife of Chuzah, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them of their own means, out of their own means. And so we see that in this passage, the women would have traveled with Jesus and his disciples, and even though they had some sketchy backgrounds here, that they had been healed by Jesus and were now helping to support his work. It may seem like a small footnote of Luke, but we see it throughout the book of Luke, how Jesus is regularly upholding the value and dignity of women. He includes it for a reason. It's not just about women. It's about people who may be minorities of any kind or people who are looked down upon in any way in our culture. What we see here is that if we want to be like Jesus, we must treat people with equality. And equality as a Christian means to see the image of God in each and every person and to uphold that image of God. Last week, 
a North Carolina woman named Ashley Manning, no relation to Peyton or Eli or Cooper, a former pharmaceutical sales rep who has now turned to a new home career of flower arranging, decided to do something special on Valentine's Day. And so she made arrangements with a, work of, with a crew of volunteers for over 400 widows and surprised them on Valentine's Day with a bouquet of flowers. It all started last year, her first year, where she did it for 121 widows, but out of demand and inspiration, the number grew dramatically. And on each bouquet of flowers was a tag with a quote from a Lauren Daigle song that simply says, there's never been a moment that you were forgotten. For this year's efforts, Manning raised over $22,000 and oversaw 300 volunteers who assembled over 13,000 stems of flowers into floral arrangements for 400 widows. In addition to, flower, to the flowers, the women also received a gift bag with wine, gifts, and gift cards to local businesses who have donated their goods. One of the things that we see regularly throughout the, gospel of G, uh, the Gospels is that Jesus was a compassionate person. He had compassion on them, and we see through people like Ashley Manning and what she did, the compassion of Jesus Christ, how he cared for people in need. I wish I didn't have to tell you about this next channel, but I do because it is a prominent part of the Gospels, and that is this, the opposition channel. In Luke 4, we see Jesus facing opposition for the first time from leaders in his hometown who had seemingly gathered to praise him then wound up about just throwing him off of a cliff because they didn't like the end of his sermon. Preachers, beware. Fortunately, there's not a lot of tall cliffs around here. Then elsewhere, we see Jesus facing opposition from different kinds of people for different reasons. On one occasion, Jesus was in a region where there was a lot of pigs and there was a demon-possessed man who was possessed with many demons. And he was terrorizing the whole area, but Jesus healed the man. He cast the demons out, but when he cast the demons out, he cast them into the pigs, and all the pigs ran off a cliff, and they died. And do you know what the people in that area did? They valued the pigs more than they valued that person, and they asked Jesus to leave, and he did. But the biggest opposition that Jesus faced was from the religious leaders of the day. And after Jesus healed on the Sabbath on one occasion, which was a big no-no to them, no doing good on the Sabbath, <laughs> it says that this happened. Luke 6, 11 says, But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss to one another what they might do to Jesus, foreshadowing what was about to happen to him at the cross. And so from the opposition channel, we gather this that if we want to be like Jesus, we must endure opposition. I don't like this channel as much as the others, do you? I just assume skip over this one. Let's just put that on scan and let it last for about seven seconds before it goes to the next channel and the next and the next. But if there's anything I've found in my life is that we get stuck on the opposition channel for far too long. But I'm telling you that it's through the opposition that we face that we most identify with Jesus. It's through the trials that you are enduring right now that somehow you will become more like Him.
That's just the way that he tends to work. There's one final channel that I want to mention to you today, and that is the Justice Channel. You could call this Court TV, I suppose. But the Justice Channel, and justice gets a bad rap in many of our channels that we listen to today. It's really too bad because at its heart, justice is simply this. It is righting things that are wrong. If there's something that's wrong in our world, justice is meant to right it. For far too long, we've thought of justice as punishment. We've thought of justice as saying, well, that's, they're getting what they deserve. But true justice is restorative. We have a number of justice initiatives that we've worked with in our church, ways that we have worked to try to right things that are wrong. For example, we believe that it is wrong for kids to live in the streets, to be street children, to be homeless children in Nairobi, Kenya. So we support the work of the Maxwells and True International. That's justice. We believe that people should not be homeless and without resources. So we support the work of Joseph's Coat right here in our own backyard in Columbus. That's justice. We believe that people should not be homeless and with, oh, excuse me, we believe that kids should not go without meals on weekends when they have no school lunch. So we have a backpack program with the local school district to help provide for kids. That's justice. We believe that prisoners need to experience the love of Jesus Christ and deserve his love as well. So we have people who go into the prisons with Bill Glass Behind the Walls Ministries. That too, friends, is justice. I could keep going on and on about some of the different things that we do that tie directly to God's justice, God's restorative, healing justice. But let me read from Luke where we see in chapter 4, Jesus beginning his ministry with this declaration that his ministry would be one that brings justice. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so we see from the Justice Channel that if we want to be like Jesus, we must stand with the poor, the prisoners, the disabled, and anyone who has experienced oppression. So a lot of different channels of Jesus, but it all comes down to this. We must accept Jesus for the totality of who he is, not just the parts that fit our biases and our desires. So I ask you today, are you like that 2016 Mazda out in the Northwest? And are you stuck on one channel? and only limiting yourself to one part of who Jesus is, rather than the totality of who he is in the gospel. Maybe you've got four out of five or nine out of ten, but what's that last one that you need? What's that one area where you haven't been tuning in to Jesus? What if you were to do so and become more like Jesus as a result? A couple of weeks ago, a guy I knew back in Omaha named Dwayne King was 84, and he passed away. I knew him as an older man. I didn't know much about his previous years and what he had done until I started to learn more about him. Back in the 60s, Dwayne was a preacher 
in a smaller Nebraska city. And he noticed that his neighbors next door never went to church on Sunday mornings. So as a preacher, he went over and he knocked on their door and he banged on their door until finally somebody came to the door. And he asked them, how come you never go to church anywhere? Dwayne was never one to be subtle. But he realized that they couldn't respond to him. It was like they didn't understand what he was saying. And the couple went and got a pencil and a pad of paper and they handed it to him so he could write down. And so he wrote down on there, how come you don't go to church? And in that moment, Dwayne realized the reason why they couldn't respond to him because they both were deaf. And so they wrote back in response on the piece of paper and said, because we wouldn't get anything out of it. Dwayne, in response, made them a promise. He said, if I could learn sign language, would you start going to church? And they said yes, and so Dwayne began to learn sign language. And as a result, he started to reach out to more and more deaf people. And one of the things that he realized is that deaf people didn't have their own Bibles in American Sign Language. We might think, well, why would a deaf person need a Bible? If they can't just, can't they just read it in English? But the syntax, the order of words, the way things are, 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 are said uh, in, in English is very different than in American Sign Language. And it's like reading a different language for them to read a Bible. Also, some of them who can read sign language can't read English. And so Dwayne realized that there was nowhere in the world where a Bible had been translated into American Sign Language. And so he started Deaf Missions as the purpose to translate the Bible into American Sign Language. And for decades, they worked to do this and just about a year and a half before Dwayne died, the entire Bible had been translated into American Sign Language because one man had his heart broken, but what broke God's heart? As a result, Deaf Missions also created several videos, dramatized versions of the life of Jesus, some of the miracles he did, some of the encounters that he had that are entirely in American Sign Language, just like we have The Chosen that I know a lot of you have watching, watching, watched. Um, so they now have many videos of, their life, of the life of Jesus where the actors all use American Sign Language to help them connect. I think about the life of Jesus. I had to stop and ask the question, what channel do you think Dwayne's life falls under? You think it falls under a channel of evangelism? Well, yeah. He went out and reached literally hundreds of thousands of people who were deaf were reached because of Dwayne King and the people who worked alongside of him. And do you think that it falls under the channel of justice? Well, yeah. Was God writing a wrong through Dwayne's life? Of course he was. But it was more than that. Does it fall under the channel of amazement? Oh, yeah, it was an amazing life where people saw Jesus through Dwayne. But it was more than just that. 
Did it fall under a channel of prayer? Yeah, he was a man of prayer, no question about it. But it was more than that. When I stop and think about what channel to put this under, I think we just have to put it under the channel of Jesus. Because Dwayne saw the totality of Jesus' life. And he was able to go and to reach more people as a result. Can you see the totality of who Jesus is? Would you be willing to expand your horizons through the Gospels to see the totality of Jesus? Maybe something that you've been reading all your life and yet missing right under your nose. Because when we focus on the totality of who Jesus is, He transforms us into the totality of who He created us to be. Would you be amazed this morning by the totality of Jesus Christ? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for giving us Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you that you were the full picture of God to everyone who you encountered. And Lord, we acknowledge that we can come with our own preconceived ideas about who Jesus is and wind up missing out on a big part of it. I confess to you, I've done that many times in my life where you've had to awaken me to a bigger picture of Jesus. So Lord, work in us now. Help us to see the totality of who you are so that we can be the totality of who we have been created to be so that we can fully bear your love to all people who are all created in your image. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the totality of who you are. Amen. As we wrap up things this morning, I do want to let you know about a couple of announcements that I have for you. First, if you are interested in Financial Peace University, Uh, This is something that will help you dramatically with your finances. Uh, It's something that Kristen and I have done in the past, and it's something that helped us tremendously. We have a great offer for you. Normally, Financial Peace University is $120, but right now we can get it through the church for only $25, and that includes everything online that you'll be able to do. We're going to be doing an online class of FPU. You'll be watching it. Uh, online at your own pace, and then on Monday evenings, you'll gather via Zoom and be able to uh, chat and get encouragement and accountability from a group of people. So you can sign up for that at our website. We would love to get you connected with that as it is such a great program and a great opportunity to really help you financially. Uh, Next, uh, in the month of March, we're going to be doing our Unstoppable Campaign here at East Point. We are very excited about this, and we just want to encourage you to continue to be in prayer for this campaign as we think it will be an only God can moment for our entire church, and we're excited about that. I do have one more announcement for you uh, this week uh, that uh, is not one that I want to make, uh, but it's one that I need to share with you. Uh, This past week, our worship minister, Scott Russell, let me know that he is going to be transitioning to a professional role outside of church ministry. And while Scott will begin his new role in about a week, he's offered to stay on for Sundays to help us transition over the next couple of months, for which we are extremely grateful. Scott has been a huge blessing to our church for eight and a half years, 
And we deeply appreciate all that he has done and brought to the table. He's also expressed his desire for his family to remain as a part of East Point, for which we are deeply thankful. Uh, and I just say personally, um, you know, Scott's been someone that helped welcome me in as a new pastor here at East Point. He's someone that uh, helped me make this transition, not only as a co-worker, but as a friend. And so uh, his daily presence at the church will be missed dearly, but we're also excited for how God's been leading him. Uh, and uh, we are excited to see what God does as a result. So uh, he wants to share a few words with you. Um, so, yeah, this is bittersweet. I've um, been contemplating this for a while, and uh, I feel like it's really God's put on my heart that it's time to leave professional ministry. Um, but like you heard, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be around uh, as I transition into a job that's outside the church. But I just wanted to say thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Uh, East Point has been an amazing place so far for my family and me. It's been our home and our, our second family since we've been here, since we got here eight and a half years ago. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Um, it's been a real pleasure uh, leading worship and worshiping with you. And um, that will continue uh, as we progress towards uh, finding a new worship pastor. My prayer is that we'll find somebody who is uh, full of passion and, and, uh, and full of creative energy and somebody who will take us to the next level uh, in leading worship once we find that person. So uh, my prayers uh, are, are always with this congregation. And uh, like, like I said, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to be around. As, as we conclude the service today, let's just uh, pray for Scott and for our transition, uh, for Scott's family as well. Uh, Father, we are just so grateful for Scott, for his calling here to East Point, uh, for his whole family's calling to East Point. And Lord, uh, we rejoice uh, with Scott and his family in this transition. Uh, we also grieve, uh, grieve the loss for us as a church. So Lord, we pray that you would uh, really bless Scott and his family over the next couple of months as he transitions. Uh, we pray, Lord, that you uh, bless our church as well. Uh, through this season um, where we can show appreciation to Scott and where we can also um, look forward to uh, whoever you'd be calling here uh, for this next season of worship ministry at East Point. Uh, Lord, we are grateful for your callings and we are grateful for your presence in the midst of it. We thank you for how you've led Scott. And now we pray that you lead our church in a similar direction. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen. Go in peace.